Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm gonna dive in because this is my favorite of all seven miracles. So here's my favorite. The problem with it being the favorite is I've spent more time over the years reading it, studying it, trying to apply it, the whole thing, than any of the others, and I still have this short space of time to deliver it. So because of that, and it's 44 verses in John 11, this miracle covers, 44 verses. There's no way I can go through all of it. So I spent time gleaning and going, so where do I need to focus on? I'm going to focus on some big sections today, but not all of it. And so as I go through, you might go, oh, he didn't talk about this, and he didn't talk about that. I know. I Trust me, I know what I'm not going to talk about. That was the hard thing. The hard thing was not what I'm going to talk about, but what I'm not going to talk about at the same time. But you can read it and you can still glean from it and the Holy Spirit can still teach you through those bits that I don't talk about. But we're gonna go there because there's something in this particular miracle that is very different than the previous six. In this one, we get a name. We didn't in the others. In this one, we have real people's names and situations. And there's so much in it of it reveals who Jesus is so, so important. Before I dive in today, something really struck me. The problem I've got today, there's a real chance that I just keep going off my notes, um, especially as we set up for next week and the new series that starts for the next eight weeks called Soul Fuel. We're going to walk through a book of the Bible called First Thessalonians. We're going to walk through all of it over eight weeks, and there's only five chapters. Um, and I, I'm deliberately, I'm going to like give you some tasters of what's there. And so today is, I hope, going to be, it's going to light something in you to go, oh, yes, I need to know more about that. That's there. But at this, the top this morning, let me just share this. This came. So I got to spend a few days this last week uh, at National Community Church, which is in Washington, D.C., and uh, those of you who may have read Mark Patterson's books, he's the lead pastor there. I got to be there. I love those people. It was super great. And uh, in one of the sessions that I was in and gleaning from Mark Patterson, he, he quoted a William Booth quote. And um, let me just briefly touch on it today because I thought it was important. At the end of the 19th century, the end of the 19th century, we're in the 21st century now. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, has this quote, and he says this. The chief danger that confronts the 20th century, he's saying it in the 19th, the chief danger that confronts the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, Salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. And here we are, not in the 20th century, but now in the 21st. And some of the things resonated with me when I heard these on Thursday, and it was that thing of the, that there'll be this religion, this rule-keeping way of trying to please God without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. I see it all over the Western globe. I see it. And there's something in this miracle today that gets us to reset and revisit that in real importance. There was more, but I'm not gonna go there because of time. 
okay? So if you've got a Bible, John 11. John 11 is where we'll be. The last three words of this whole miracle were the ones that jumped off the page to me this time. The last three words of this whole, so at the end of verse 44, it's the last three words. I'll get to it today, but the last three words are a bit of a theme for what I want us to go today. So Jesus says this at the end of the miracle, all is great, and he finally says these three words, let him go. Is it possible today that you have the opportunity to be set free? And it's going to reveal itself in a bit different way than you expected. But to let some things go, to move on from some things, to loosen some things, to be unraveled from some things. Is it possible today that you're going to see some things that are dead come back to life again? Is it possible today that some of the things you'd given up on, the Lord's going to say, go back? It's not over. It's not the end. It's not the end. Is it possible today? And Jesus ends with these words, let him go. And out of all the times that I've studied this and preached this text, they came out this time. Why? Because I believe it's significant for many of you today. Many, many of you. All right. You need to fasten your seatbelts today. We're going to go. All right. John 11, let me just read verse 4 and verse 40. There's 44 verses. So verse 4 and verse 40 to lay this scriptural, biblical foundation. Verse 4 of John 11. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? God will be glorified. You'd see the glory of God. And what is he talking about? This miracle is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Resurrection and resurrection power and the glory of God. And it's not about a historical event that happened. It's a power that can still happen, is happening and is going to happen. Let's go, verse one through six. This is section one. I've got three sections pretty much. I'll dwell on the main one, which will be the miracle itself because that's the series we're in. So verse one through six sets it up really well. Okay, it's on screen, but at the same time, you can follow in your Bibles. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's a bit of an emotional, not just anyone, the one you love is sick. Like surely, it's your buddy Lazarus. And we've seen you perform these miracles to people you didn't really have that connection with. It's kind of a loaded deal. But there's something deep there. We've got names. This is personal. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet... 
When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This is why you don't confine Jesus to doing the same things the same way all the time. Because in miracle number two in the story, there's a man, a royal official, comes to Jesus and his son is miles away. And Jesus doesn't even have to go. And he tells the royal official, by the way, your son is better. He's not going to die. It's all good. And yet the one who he loves, his good friend Lazarus, Jesus is not there. And he's like, yeah, he's sick, staying sick. In fact, it's going to get a bit worse. Not going. Why didn't Jesus just do the from a distance miracle like he did in number two? Because we're not the ones to tell God what to do. We're the ones to walk with him and all by all means ask. Moving on, here we go. Verse 11. I'm going to jump a bit because I can't do 44 verses in 35 minutes. 35 minutes, yeah, right, there's. But you know what I mean. Here we go. Verse 11. After he said this, he went on to tell them, he's speaking to his disciples, okay? Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. The disciples are going, oh, maybe think, they were thinking sleeping. Now, verse 14 goes on to say, Lazarus is dead. Okay, Jesus is saying, our friend Lazarus He's fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. This is a little taster for what's going to come in the next eight weeks, but let me just say this. In the scriptures, it is quite clear that often when somebody dies, there's this phrase of they are asleep. They're not asleep as we physically just sleep, but there is this thing of sleep because there is an awakening still to happen. We have this mindset that we live, we die, a permanent afterlife once and for all. That's the way it is. That's what I was taught. You live, hopefully you surrender to Jesus, you receive the gift of salvation, you die, heaven forever. It's not what the Bible says. I want to touch on it in the coming weeks. Because it's way better than that. Way better than that. Okay? We live, we die afterlife. But what is that? It is quite clear and this miracle is revealing so much more. We live, we die. There's this, when you die, there's a, people call it a sleep, but you're not not conscious. Your soul, yes, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that for those who have died, present with the Lord in their spirit, but there is still a resurrection to come. There's still a resurrection to come. I'll get there in a minute, but I won't get too deep into it. Hopefully it just gets you all go, here we go. But I will over the coming weeks, bit by bit. He's fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Jesus knows he's dead. I'm going to bring him back. John 11, 20 through 26, because of time. Here we go. Verse 20 to 26. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he's waited all these days, he's on his way, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Don't rush on with this. Try and go there. Here's this, and I'm not being harsh here, I'm just being honest. Here's this woman with all of her femininity and her emotion. Her brother has died. And she loves Jesus and she loves her brother. And she runs out to meet Jesus because she loves Jesus. And in that all of emotion, don't forget there's mourning taking place and there's professional grievers all around and all of that's taking place. In that emotion, she runs to Jesus. Do you think she goes and says, oh, Jesus, glad you could make it. Hey, by the way, oh, you're late. You're late. If, if you'd have been here, you wouldn't have died. But you weren't. No, she would have been, no, I'm not being harsh. She'd have been wailing. She'd have been, Jesus. Like, if you'd have been here, this would have been so different. Like, there's an outpouring. She still loves Jesus, but she doesn't like what he's allowed to happen. Can we just park the bus briefly there? I love God, but God, I don't like you allowed this to happen. So raw, so real. So feel it, it's there. And then she doesn't stop though. And she's like, but, but Jesus, I know that even now, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Please ask, <laughs> did you know? But even now, some of you have quit praying for something. Some of you think it's all over. It's done. It's, it's, you've quit. You've quit listening to God. You've quit looking for God to help and support and you've, whatever timeline that is. But even now, even now, Jesus, I know you can. Even now, it's like, wow. In the midst of your pain and your struggle and your anguish, even now. Some of you are here just for that today. Like you've heard that, yeah, I've got faith, you can leave. That's all you needed today. Okay, you're all staying, let's carry on. All right, next. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, using this, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So she's got this biblical worldview, we call it. There, I know he'll rise again at the last day. The last day? What's this, the last day business? So in your scriptures, and I'll touch on it more in the next series, there's this day of the Lord. There's this renewal of all things, the restoration of all things, the all things made new, the new heaven and the new earth. There's a lot of this language all along. There was perfection in the garden and the fall, and God has been restoring and redeeming all things back to his original intention. That's the story of God and him coming and living and dying and being risen again is also 
called the gateway and a foreshadow of all things new, of new heavens and new earth, the restoration of all things. Jesus even says it himself in the Gospels himself. He declares it. So when she says, oh, I know there'll be a resurrection at the last day, they had a worldview then. I live and I'm following God and I die asleep. And there will be a resurrection at the last day. There'll be a day of the Lord where the Lord comes and restores all things. And all those who have died will be made new. That's to come. And yet there is those who have died and still be in reality. That's why, oh, be careful there. You're going to get into next week and the week after and the week after. And I could not get lunch today as a result. Okay. Little glimpse of this. So what about those who have died? What about them? Who appears on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, Moses and Elijah? But they appear and it's like a spirit dwelling, not in the physical form and that they're in presence with the Lord. But at the last day, at the renewal of all things, when God, re- did, Jesus returns and it's, everything is made new again, then, okay, moving on. I just did it to have a little taster. It's like going to Costco today. Anyway, so with that in mind, whoo! I told you it's going to be a struggle list. And I got my fill these last few days. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Where was I? Um, yes, I'm going to stick with it briefly. Like in Matthew 19, you've heard me talk about it again. Jesus said with his own words, at the renewal of all things, the Greek word, palingenesia. Palingenesia, palin, again, genesia, genesis, genesis, again. At the renewal of all things, back to the garden again, the return to Eden again. At that moment when we all, there's a renewal of all things that Jesus is bringing us back to. Some of you have got a view of I live, I die, I have heaven, I'm on white fluffy clouds playing a harp with some little fat cherubs. Boring. Do you think that's the best God has for us in the future? You think he's going to not restore all things? His beautiful universe, his beautiful earth that he had created at the beginning of time. Do you not think our eternity is going to be a reflection of even better than that? And all of his wonder and all of his creation, he's doing that. He's going to restore all things. He's going to make a new head. The new heavens and new earth is heaven, stars and sky and new earth. He's going to do it. He's not going to obliterate this one. Even the word in the New Testament in Peter where he says he's going to destroy the earth. He destroyed the earth before when he sent a flood through Noah. But he didn't destroy the earth, did he? He renewed it through the flood. There'll be a renewal of all things and all things will be incredible. And the lion and the lamb will lie down together. No more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more suffering, no more struggle. Immense beauty and joy and wonder beyond our wildest dreams. All the joy in the, oh, that's to come at the resurrection at the very last day when we live and we die. And all of those that you've lost in Christ who are in the presence of the Lord today, there's going to be a day that they get to encounter the Lord's coming again. It's going to all be restored. And we're all going to live in this unbelievable restored creation of the world for all eternity and there'll be work and there'll be play and it will be beyond our wildest imagination but for now I, I got I got so I got so internally frustrated that nobody painted eternity to me as a child. They just painted you live, you die, hopefully you're in Jesus and you'll sing Amazing Grace forever. That's like the other place to me. That's all it is. 
oh yeah, but it'll feel wonderful. I'm going, so all this, so when God made it and it was wonderful and perfect, it was all Yeah, you don't even go to the miracle yet. We need to really speed up. John 6, verse 40. Still part of what I'm talking about now. Jesus said this, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey. You believe in the Son, I receive Jesus. You're so good, you are so faithful. It is by grace that have been saved through faith. It's not of myself, it's a gift of God. He paid for it on the cross and he is alive. He has forgiven my sin as far as the east is from the west. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If I look to the Son and I believe in the Son, then I will have eternal life and, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we live, we die, and there's a resurrection to come. This miracle is not just a foreshadow of Jesus' resurrection, it's a foreshadow of yours. That's what makes this miracle just amazing. We better get to the miracle, shall we? Verse 38 to 44, all right? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Yes, I have missed the Jesus wept verse out. Because if I'd gone there, we would not get dinner, let alone lunch. I want to focus on the miracle. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. That's what he is now. He's a dead man. He's not even called Lazarus. He's a dead man because he's been dead and he's no longer really there. His spirit is no longer there. Really? Like by this time, there is a bad odor for he has been there four days, old versions of the Bible. By this time, he stinketh. Four days of a rotting, decomposing corpse. What's the significance of the four days? This is super quick, because some of you like going there. Super quick. There's ancient rabbinical tradition 2,000 years ago. This was their worldview, their biblical view of what this would have been. They had this understanding, this is what they used to think, that somebody died and for up to three days, their spirit was still near to them and near them and they could come back. That's why Elijah brings back to life the widow, the widow from Zarephath, his son. He's died, but in an instant he goes and he pours in and says, get back in, Lord, and my spirit. And he does all of that. And there's a resurrection. And Elisha resurrects somebody. That's there, but by this point, that's a three-day thing. And it's now day four. By which point all the people at that time and place know, oh, no, it's really past the time now. It's even past God's time now. He is no longer, he, he has departed the body. Lazarus has gone into this 
sleep, but in the presence of the Lord, he's no longer there. So therefore, what does Jesus do with his hindsight bias? Lazarus has died, and he literally is going to get a glimpse of the, he's already gone from the body, a restoration, a rebirth in that sense. So that was their mind thinking. So Jesus, of course, Jesus knew what he was doing, but he was declaring something of really who he is. Moving on, verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. He was making it clear. In the same with the feeding of the 5,000, he lifts his eyes up. He wants everybody around those public miracles to know who is doing this, who has the authority to do this, who this is from. Jesus is making it clear. He doesn't want them just all, just it's all about me and I'm just some prophet king and getting it all different. He wants to make sure. So he makes sure, he lifts his eyes to heaven and then he declares this. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice. Before I dive to verse 43 and 44, they'll be up on the screen in a minute. We live in this hindsight bias, don't we? We know what happens next. We even know that Jesus goes to the cross and Jesus dies and Jesus is risen from the grave. We even know through the books that are written from then that the Lord's gonna return one day. We even know from that there's the restoration of all things. We have this hindsight bias. So we just move on and go, oh, good story. We just move on and go, that's amazing, that's nice. But we don't go there. And I want us to go there. I want us to try and do our very best, even though we have this hindsight bias, to go, no, no, let's just go there. Let's engage the drama of it, the humanity of it. Let's feel it, because that's the significance, because it's so personal, it's super important. Like, you're gonna hear that, this, what happened? Really? Are you sure? Wow. Verse 42. Three, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice. There's a cave and the stone's been pushed to one side and there's people around. And Jesus calls out in a loud voice. Huh. I wonder what that was like. You see a lot of personal Jesus and coming alongside and in conversations and declaring things and preaching things, but the, the Lord wants us to know that in a loud voice, he's declaring it. What's with the loud voice? Like, why the loud voice? I mean, for Elijah, the Lord came close to him in the still small voice. Some say in a breath. So what's the need for this one? What's with the loud voice, the declaration? Scholars have got different interpretations on this and all we've got is possible interpretations. But one of them is that the voice of the Lord that brought all things into creation when he said, let there be light, was a declaration. Let there be light. When Jesus says these words, there's a declaration. And it's a declaration into the darkness. It's a declaration to the enemy. 
It's a declaration to the one enemy that had been winning all the time up to this point, death. Death had a perfect record. And now Jesus comes and declares victory over death. In a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now maybe it's because Lazarus at this point was deep in the tomb. Could be just practical. Mm, let's carry on. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, people around, you guys, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Okay, okay, this is it. This is it today. I'm just going to briefly sit on this. He calls Lazarus to come out of the tomb. We know this from history. He comes out and he is still bound in grave clothes. Those days, the, the width, even on the head one, is an additional two feet wide of linen cloths. The mummification, two feet wide, foot either side of the head. There are layers upon layers of this decaying corpse of a body that is all wrapped up and placed in a tomb. He's been embalmed, the whole thing's all there, he's bound. Jesus puts life again in the body of Lazarus. Is the miracle that Lazarus comes back to life or is it that he actually gets out of that tomb? How does he get out? How's he get out? I'm going to be humorous because there's a point to be made from it. Lazarus is all bound with heavy weight and linen and there's been decay in there and he's all bound up in these grave clothes that are still binding him. And even though he has come back to life, he is still surrounded by death. He's still covered by death. Lazarus, come out. I'm on my way. Or... He's got a little bit of wiggle room and it's this. It's going to take me a while. But either way, it's like the grave clothes are still on him, completely covered. When Jesus' resurrection happens, grave clothes left behind. But you see, this wasn't the end, the end, because we know Lazarus lives and he, he dies again. And he's just demonstrating something, but he's bound because Lazarus He's like us. And Jesus saves Lazarus, but he's still bound by grave clothes. Some of you are still wearing grave clothes. You've received the gift of salvation and Jesus saving you of your sin and you get to have eternity with him and a resurrection at the last day. But for now, you are, you've been rescued from the grave, but you are still bound in grave clothes. And some of you have taken some of them off, but there's still some of them on. But Jesus tells the people around him to go and take the grave clothes off. This is scandalous. It's ridiculous. Why doesn't Jesus do it? He tells them, oh, we're doing the dirty work this rotten body that's been there and the stench and all of that and we're gonna unravel all of this. 
by definition for Jewish people, I'm going to be touching grave clothes, dead body stuff. That makes me unclean. That makes me unclean. I'm going to become unclean doing this. Jesus is breaking the rules all over again. Here we go. He's breaking the rules. He's doing it. They go. He's breaking the rules. Off you go. So we have to just sit and pause and go there. And we can do a bit of history and understand what it may have been like. But they go. And here, here comes Lazarus somehow, some way out of the tomb. Huge linen wraps all around him and go take off the grave clothes. Yes, he's been saved, but it needs God's people to go and help that person be free. The reason you were saved and called into a family, into a body, into the movement that is the church of Jesus and his ways is because you need other people to help you take grave clothes off. And some of you have still got them on. Some of you keep finding yourself on this cycle pattern of sin and you keep finding yourself stumbling over. It's because you've still got grave clothes around your ankles. Maybe your arms are free, but the way you're walking is not free. And you're finding yourself walking in pattern in places again and you find yourself here. It's because you're bound in grave clothes and somebody needs to come alongside you and you need to go, will somebody help get these off me? But you've got to ask that. And some of you have still got some past life grave clothes on you and they are comfort blankets to you. That's what you knew. And some of you have got that victim mindset, but this happened to me and I'm gonna keep carrying this, but that's a symbol of death and it stinks. And somebody needs to come alongside you and go, hey, should we take that off? Should we take that off? You see, what the, the reality is the unraveling of grave clothes is this ministry of the body of Christ that we get to do. Sometimes somebody needs to come to me and go, hey, Des, you've got some grave clothes on you there. Do you want some help getting them off? And I go, I do? Yeah, because we can, we can smell it, dude. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's get it off. And some of you, you know you've got some things holding you and binding you. And so here's the beauty. Things like grief share, People arrive in grief share still with some grave clothes on of grief. And you just need to be with some other people and understanding what the Lord comes and ministers to them and go, let's unravel them. Let's unravel them. And let's journey this. So Jesus tells the people to take off his grave clothes and let him go. We are part of the miracle. Today, Jesus is calling some of you to engage with other people. He wants to produce and demonstrate his resurrection power in their life. And he's calling you to unwrap grave clothes from those people. He's calling you to go there and unravel. So they come with Lazarus and they probably start with the head first. I would. The dude probably can't even see. How does it get out of the tomb? Can't see, he's all bound up. And they start to unravel. And they no doubt see his eyes. I mean, it would have been weird though, wouldn't it? Can we just go there? All right, you first. Yeah, I'm gonna start with his feet because that head thing's gonna be a bit, whoa, here we go. They unravel and his eyes and then they hear that first breath. They hear it. This is significant. When God created man, the Adam from the dust, he still wasn't alive until when? till God breathed his breath into his nostrils. The very Ruach, the spirit of God went into him and then Adam was alive. 
And so when they hear a breath from Lazarus, what brought him back from the grave? The breath of God brought him back to life. And there's a sense of, oh, here we go. And the significance of that breath, the very breath, he is, this is imagery of out of not quite yet ashes for Lazarus, but recreation of mankind again. The image of the restoration of all things. There's this breath. And as we know, the very name of God, which is unutterable, is the name Yahweh, but it's just four Hebrew vowels, Yo-Heh-Vah-Heh. -Heh. And from that, you get Lazarus speaking. And the first things they really hear from Lazarus is the name of God, because the breath of God, when we breathe in and breathe out, we're declaring God's name, Yo-Heh-Vah-Heh. And the imagery and the power on all that's taking place. And then you can imagine them just, they're speeding up, aren't they? Give me his left arm. Give me his right arm. And there's the joy and the party and the celebration. It's not in the scriptures, but can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? And then the story, and we don't have recorded what Lazarus does next. There's some church history books and he goes to different places. Some people say there's a church established in different islands and all that and he dies again. But the reality is that moment changed everything. Everything. And still it killed Jesus. Oh, I can get into that so much we haven't got time. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. But I've been saved by Jesus, but I still find myself, ugh. you got some grave clothes on today. And is it possible? Today's the day that you go, yeah, it's time. It's time to let them go. It's huge. So many people after the night come up to me and went, thanks for that today. And they define the grave clothes. They were still on me. They were still on me. We have a counseling center here to help take off grave clothes. Next step in following Jesus, being alongside other people. You men, 6 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, it's all part of taking off grave clothes. Finding somebody else who's a follower of the Lord who maybe has just done a few more miles than you or many more miles than you. It's like I recognize this and help me take off these grave clothes. It's not that you're not rescued by God and brought back to life and given a future, but there's something here that, that the Lord calls us to. He calls us to take off grave clothes. He's the one who does the saving, but he calls us to take off the grave clothes. I want to have yours taken off. So I'm gonna come in and land this today, and, but, but we've got some stuff to do together with this. At some point, when Jesus says to Lazarus, come out, that is what you need to hear today. He's made a way for you, and he's saying your name, and come out! Yeah, yeah but this is what I know, Jesus, come out! But, but there's these people here that I don't want to leave. Come out! But, but, but I'm a bit scared. Come out! But that would mean, this, and that, that, that's, that's going to affect how I think this. Come out! 
But, but, but Jesus, if I come out, you, you may send me somewhere I don't want to go. Come out! But, but Jesus, I've got my dreams and my hopes. Come out! Today's a day for some of you to just step out. He's made a way in, and there's that beauty. That, oh, okay, I'll say it. There's this other William Booth quote. The greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. Some of you hear the gospel, see what Jesus has done, and you're fully grateful, and you've confessed, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. But the all-in surrender. The all-in surrender. It's, it's not easy. Because it's exposing, isn't it? It's very vulnerable. Like that all-in surrender. And, and, and can, I, can I suggest that the reality is, I, I believe we all want to, I'll speak in the first person, I want to live with resurrection power. I want to live with resurrection purpose. And I want to live with resurrection promise. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's a present. And live with resurrection purpose, but also with resurrection promise. But the power of a man's strength is found in his surrender. In his surrender. And we get to do that today, if you wish. But resurrection changes everything. Death is not the end. It's not the end. And even those, those who have died in your life, it's the end. It's not. It's not. There is a restoration of all things. There is. Like, it's never crossed your mind. All those people have all died. They all get to be in heaven forever. So what's the big deal with the second coming? Who cares? They get to cheer it on. Like, come, come on. Come on. There's a resurrection awaiting you and awaiting them. Death is not the end. This sickness, he says to Martha, this sickness, he said to his disciples, sorry, this sickness, it won't end in death. Death's coming, but it's not going to end there. Because Jesus has victory over death. Oh, death, where is your stink? Where is it? Jesus has defeated it. So this is how we're going to do this today. I'm going to close that or I'll keep going. And there's another page of notes that we don't want to start. To this, this next, we're going to have a worship time. A presence of Jesus' time. He dwells in the praises of his people. And in this time, especially in this first song, I'm going to give you some suggestions. We're going to sing about the power of Jesus. And that's the power of his name. And there's declarations in it. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. You still do miracles. You still do what you said. We're going to make some declarations of the power of the name of Jesus. And you can sit. You can stand. 
but I want to say to some of you, today when we said let him go, you felt that. And today when it was come out, it was, yeah, I keep tripping up. There's a sin side and, I, and there's a breakthrough needed. And, and for some of you during this song, there'll be no prayer partners down here yet. You may need to come out of your seats and just take a kneel. If you can't kneel physically, it's okay. Come and have a knelt posture in your heart. The front rows, you can sit on these seats, but come out and kneel. Like, I'm coming out. Man's power is found in the strength of his surrender. So during this first song, that's what you get to do. Sit, stand, dwell, listen, reflect, maybe on the whole seven miracles that we've had, and say, okay, Lord, and here I am. Here I am come and take an out posture for some of you and I feel him calling me out and, and I want these grave clothes off and maybe for some of you you want the commissioning to be a grave clothes remover to have the discernment to see and do that that's messy work literally but what a calling we tracking? All right, let me pray for us. Sit, stand, come out and kneel, and then I'll come back and then we've got a couple more songs to lead forward with prayer and prayer partners. King Jesus, King Jesus. If a man's power is in the strength of his surrender, we declare this today to you. Oh Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. Everything in my life that maybe is good or bad or past or present or future, everything and everyone in my life to you. And we thank you that you and you alone are the one who gives us life and life in all eternity. You are the one who conquers death. You are the one who gives us eternal life and you are the one who will come at the resurrection again, at the restoration of all things. Oh, wow. But for today, Lord, you have called us, you've saved and called us to be here. Holy Spirit, move amongst us that we may have the ability to discern in ourselves or in others there's grave clothes that need to be taken off. Your power of resurrection and salvation is here in this house. We say, Lord, thank you for dying for us. We confess our sin. And we confess with our mouth that you and you alone are Lord. And we believe in our heart the Lord God himself raised Jesus from the dead. And in that declaration, we receive the gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. We dwell with you right now. We dwell with you right now. Come make your dwelling within us. Amen. Amen. During this song, sit, stand, come take a kneel, and then I'll come back and we'll dip some more pieces to do. Not much, but enough.